Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. I might be becoming a bad baseball fan who can't enjoy the romantic things because of advanced statistics. 15 years from now, I want to be on the early baseball committee. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. I literally have the fan graphs hoodie, the baseball reference t-shirt, just repping some stats, you know what I'm saying? It's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio. We're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Chris Gianta, over there. On the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I am doing very well today. Uh, we got uh, a couple interesting, you know, different things we're doing for the show today. I'm excited. Uh, we got a busy recording week this week as well because we're coming up on episode 250. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of excitement. Yeah, a lot of things coming up for ARR. Um, and yeah, yeah, we're, so we'll get into the first topic, but our, our topic after this is, uh, you know, taking from an MLB now segment, kind of making it our own, not a regular segment of theirs, but, uh, one that they did and, you know, had a couple graphics about, um, last week, um, that kind of feigned our interests and, uh, and you know we wanted to get into it's regarding the hall of fame um and we'll get into more detail about that later but that will probably take up a good amount of the show um if you are interested in you know where we think current players are relative to the hall of fame whether they um you know are in would be in if they retired right now or if they are very close or on a path blah 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 all that we will get into but uh the first topic at hand um you know, we have uh, the defending AL Central champion Cleveland Guardians uh, have not been up to par, just like the rest of the AL Central. The only the only team that's performing uh, sort of like they should is probably the well, probably the Tigers and the yeah and the and the Twins. Um, I mean, you could argue the Tigers aren't even performing as they should. Right. Yeah. yeah they yeah. they are four games under five hundred. Uh which is pretty outstanding for for them. They're three and a half games behind the Twins. I mean, they're not far from first place. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's it's a fun it's a fun division. You you can just take it, just take it take it whenever. Just it's yeah. all it's up for it's up for, it's up. It's for all ground. yours. Yes. Um, but the Guardians right now are six games under five hundred, uh, and you can credit that to a particular. 20 game skid that they're on right now. They've lost 13 out of 20. Um, and yeah, uh, you know, what have you been seeing from Cleveland and, and, uh, and their struggles here? Uh, the guardians, it's pretty obvious, uh, what their struggles are. It's on offense. You know, they're, they're an offense that relies heavily on base hits, putting the ball in play, you know, not having an over-reliance on the home run as you know, a lot of people would put it. Some people would say that's for the better, some people would say it's for the worst and it's for the, you know, it's kind of a re it's not a sustainable model of offense. And, you know, both those people have valid reasons to believe whatever they want, but uh, they are, they have a 68 weighted runs created plus in this, in this span. Uh, they're hitting 223 as a team slugging 329 uh, 
the 329 slugging is overwhelmingly the worst in the majors. Their 282 OBP is the worst in the majors. Their 107 ISO is the worst in the majors. Their uh they also have minus 4.4 defensive runs above average, which is very bad. Their minus 0.7 position player wins above replacement is the worst. Uh, and Chris, do you have some individual performances to get into here? Um, no. Well, so I I was gonna get into some of that. Uh, however, I guess you could point to two particular individual performances and I'm combining them because they play the same position, but Cam yeah. Gallagher and Mike Zanino at the catcher position. Uh, it's really rough, especially in this 20 game span. Uh, Cat- Cleveland guardians catchers since April 29th, which is when this 20 game span started are slashing 095, 118, 095, a 213 OPS and a negative 48 weighted runs created plus along with a 39.5% strikeout rate and a 2.6% walk rate. Mike Zanino, particularly since April 29th, uh, is two for 34 with no extra base hits, one walk and 22 strikeouts in 35 plate appearances for a 63% strikeout rate. Uh, wow. Which is about triple league average. Um, wow. In 35 plate appearances. So uh that's not helping them at all so i mean jose ramirez had a very good day at the plate yesterday in the double header but even then and he has a 122 weighted runs created plus in the span which is very good i mean it's decent but you know obviously that's the best bat that they've had since then and that's not you know you want better than a 122 weighted runs created plus to be the best that you've had uh but i mean looking into some of these performances here you mentioned the two catchers but uh Ahmed Rosario and Andres Jimenez, the two, it's very funny that, you know, you know, they just played the Mets. You know, it's the two pieces the Guardians got in the Lindor trade. Uh, Jimenez has a 54 weighted runs created plus in the span. Rosario has a 73 weighted runs created plus in the span. Uh, Miles Straw has a 59 weighted runs created plus, only a 234 BABIP. Uh, Miles Straw, obviously... Uh, known for not not even just not known for his power, but known for not having power. So if he's not hitting for contact either, there's not much service he's giving to the team. Uh, he's running the base as well, but that's about it. Oscar Gonzalez in 12 plate appearances has struggled. Will Brennan in 48 plate appearances have a, has a seven weighted runs created plus with no extra base hits. I'm looking through this this lineup and I see a lot of guys with no extra base hits in the span. Oscar Gonzalez, uh, Brian Rocio. Will Brennan, the two catchers you mentioned, uh, David Fry in 11 plate appearances. Obviously, it's not a whole lot, but yeah, a lot of low ISOs, even zero ISOs. They're not hitting for power, and they're really not hitting for contact either, and that's what this offense does best. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, Jimenez has been possibly the most alarming uh, with the Cleveland offense because, yeah, that's someone who was relied on a, a good amount last year had a ops in the high 800s i think uh ops he was plus, overwhelmingly overwhelmingly their second best bat last year yeah ops plus in the 130s and i think a lot of yeah a lot of his problems and i'm not doing a full analysis here uh but a lot of his problems especially lately have been he's hitting the ball extremely soft and he's not hitting it in the sweet spot zone uh just by looking it up just now i could see uh andres jimenez sweet spot percentage in the last uh 20 in, in the last 20 games or at least the guardians last 20 games is 22.6 percent which is uh roughly 10 percentage points below average and i think his average exit velocity in that span is like 
81, 80 miles per hour, which is like eight miles per hour below league average. So yeah, I mean, um, if you look at his, if you look at his Savant page for this year in general, the percentile rankings are pretty ugly. Yeah. And, you know, granted he was, you know, a little lucky, especially on balls in play last year. However, the expected numbers are also going down. This isn't necessarily regression to the mean. It's regression below the mean for what he was doing last year. Yeah, no, that's a very good way of putting it. Uh, um, yeah, no, I mean, he's been struggling there. There was a whole, you know, there was a whole re-looking the Prince, re-examining uh, the Francisco Lindor trade this weekend where, you know, people were arguing for Lindor, people were arguing for Ahmed Rosario and Andres Jimenez, and... You know, I mean, the the Mets swept the Guardians this weekend. Uh, Lindor had played a very vital role in that series, and uh, Jimenez and Rosario were not very present. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, obviously you can't judge an entire trade by three games. You know, the, between two teams that play each other previously once every three years. Now it's you know once every year, but um, yeah, I mean it's. It certainly wasn't a good showing for the Guardians against the team that they obviously had a lot of incentive to beat. Um, and the Mets, you know, there there's a whole the Mets and Guardians have like a weird uh beef between the years. Like the Lindor trade was the thing, but in twenty, I think it was twenty twenty one, where like one of the teams had like the fringe playoff team comment about them. I think it was the Mets about the Guardians. Hmm. If you remember yeah. that, um, yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot to be super stoked about. Yeah. I think it was 29. I think it was 2019 actually with the fringe playoff team comment. Cause it was the year that they missed the playoffs. Okay. Yeah. The Mets said it about the guardians or the guardians said it about the Mets. Guardians said it about, or the Mets said it about the guardians, the then Indians. Interesting. Um, yeah. And yeah, going, going back to Jimenez, uh, one of his more redeeming qualities last year was his defense. Uh, but that hasn't even really shown up so far this year um you know i do preface it by saying we're a quarter of the way through the season but i think he has negative one outs above average right now as opposed to 12 last year so um you know someone you know the guardians they rely heavily on great defensive play great base running um we haven't really seen the great defensive play from jimenez this year particularly obviously sometimes defensive no that's gonna be weird um, yeah, that's a middle infield position too. Yeah, a middle infield position, very valuable. He was very valuable to the Guardians last year. And yeah, defense, defensive metrics can be weird. So maybe looking at it through a quarter of the way through the season isn't the most uh, smart thing to do. But, you know, it's just something to observe. Um, I will say with the Guardians, there is reason to have optimism with the offense. I looked into, looked into it a little bit. Um, so yeah, they... Since April 29th, you could look on the surface, okay, they're they're last in batting average, which is horrible because uh, they don't really slug. So if they have a low batting average, then like, wow. I mean, their offense, and it's proven, you know, their their OPS is the worst in the in the majors in this span, probably bottom like three and runs scored because of it. So yeah, if they're not, if they don't have a high batting average, then they're not doing well. Um, but there's reason to have optimism because they have a 255 expected batting average uh, in this 20 game span. And they have the unluckiest difference between batting average and expected batting average by nine points. Uh, so yeah, I said they have the worst batting average in uh, in baseball in the last 20 games, but the guardians also have a top 12 expected batting average. 
So, you know, I wouldn't expect this at least batting average to uh, be as bad for the next, you know, for the future. Um, and particularly on line drives, they have the worst, they have the lowest batting average online drives in the span, um, which is not good. They have like a 75 point difference in batting average and expected batting, batting average online drives, particularly. Uh, and then to break that down individually, uh, Stephen Kwan is hitting 261 with a 346 expected batting average in the span. 85 point difference is pretty crazy. Uh, and Josh Bell also is hitting 250, but has a 323 expected batting average in the span. Um, so I will say uh, they, you know, they, they've been the unluckiest team, at least in terms of balls in play. Um, and it could redirect. However, yeah, um, you know, they don't have a lot of power. We know that that's been the case for, for a very long time. Um, they do have the lowest barrel rate in the span. So if they have a low batting average, they're not going to power the ball out of the stadium. Um, so that's a factor, but on balls in play, particularly the guardians are probably going to be doing a little bit better than they have been in the last 20 games. Yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah, I mean, it's luckily they are in the AL Central where it's, a, you know, it's a division where you can't be out of it in a span like this, uh, you know, unless you're Kansas City, I guess. But yeah, they're 20 and 26 on the year, only four and a half games behind the Twins. Uh, interestingly enough, their their run differential is worse than the Tigers and White Sox, um, generally speaking, on the season, or at least mm. their, uh, their standing rating, their simple rating system on a reference, which usually just goes off of run differential. So uh, there's, there's a lot to be interested in here. You know, it's not, uh, you know, the guardians, like I mentioned, are a team that's known for playing quote unquote small ball, uh, or at least, you know, the 2023 brand of small ball. And, you know, when they're not doing that, there's not much offense to be had. And that's what we're seeing right now. Right. Yeah. Especially if you're, you know, if things aren't falling when they usually fall, uh, it's not like, you know, a, they're going to have a solo home run to tie it and where most teams would or like, you know, all that type of stuff. So, you know, when you rely on the balls in play, it can, uh, it, you know, you can die by the sword. You can live by the sword, but you can also die by the sword. Um, and that's what what's happening. They're having extremely bad luck. Um, but, you know, that's when you're playing the game of, of, you know, singles and stolen bases, sometimes that, uh, sometimes that can happen. Um, but yeah, so, so yeah, the guardians luckily still only what, like five games back four and a half, four and a half games back. So yeah, yeah, you can do that in the AL central. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. They would be, they would be out of the AL East by now. Yeah. <laughs> They'd be, They'd be already trading players away. They would be, yeah, they would be four and a half games out of first place, actually, or out of, uh, excuse me, out of last place, <laughs> uh, or uh, you know, behind the Blue Jays, so to speak, yeah. fourth place, for fifth place, if they, you know, if assuming it was like a sixteen division, um, yeah, the Blue Jays and Twins are the same record. The Twins are in first. The Blue Jays are in last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's super fun. Really, really cool that that's the thing. I really right. hope every AL East team finishes over five. 500 that'd be so cool it would be pretty it, it would be pretty lit I'd, i agree speaking of the al east i know this wasn't wasn't in our script for today but the orioles released their city connects i still don't love them but i think they look better than they did in the leaks no doubt um yeah i mean just by a simple change if they just put charm city instead of baltimore the 
It's like two points yeah. up. My thought exactly that and also like incorporate the Maryland flag somewhere. I mean, the Maryland flag is something that the, you know, the people in Baltimore proudly display. It's, you know, definitely one of the more unique uh, state flags. You know, it's one that, like I said, gets a lot of representation by just your every, your average everyday person. There was really no mention of it except for like maybe on the sleeve, like the arm sleeve. That was a very small design. Um, yeah, I don't know. I wish they did a little more, no doubt. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I, I think that's, I think they tried to do that with like the ends of the sleeves and like the mm -hmm. collar area yeah. was There's, sort of yeah. that design. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it, you know, yeah, there, there could have been more interesting aspects to it. Um, you know i really i'm really sad that there's only one more city connect jersey getting uh announced this year and we're not even in june like the padres got theirs like basically at the trade deadline last year right yeah but it would be weird to just drop one like september 15 and being like oh they're gonna wear it twice for the rest of the season no, i mean it's not even that like they're, they're like one gets released every like two weeks this season right now there's been five released between the, you know, the Braves, the Rangers, the Mariners, the Reds, and now the Orioles. The Pirates are next. Like, it could take another month and, you know, have one out by, like, the early July and mid-July at the worst. You know, you can still have two more released by the end of the first half, and then you only have eight more to do instead of ten. True. Right, yeah. Because the teams that still need City Connects are the Rays, the Yankees, the Blue Jays, the Twins, the Tigers, the Guardians the i think the entire oh the, the well the a's but i mean who knows what's going on there right um the mets the phillies the well the pirates are getting theirs the cardinals the i think the entire nl west has theirs yeah yeah they do so the rays yankees blue jays twins tigers guardians uh a's mets phillies cardinals that is 10 teams yeah that's 10 teams are you if saying at least two? Sorry. So I mean, if they if they released two more this year, they would have had eight to go, and they would have released eight this year, and I believe they released eight last year as well. So yeah, you're saying that they should just release more per year. I think all they need is two more this year, and then they could just do the same thing again next year and have all of them released by 2024. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, they started this thing in April of 2021. Like that's that was a pretty long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Red Sox fans have been wearing theirs for, you know, two and a half years, basically, two years now. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, you know, all, all of these fan bases are still waiting on theirs. It is definitely an MLB move, though, that they're they're actually going to release less per year so that they can have the Las Vegas A's one. Yeah, they're, they're stalling for the, for the A's to figure their stuff out. Because, I mean, the A's could have... They would have released eight this year if the A's had their stuff figured out. The A's have a fantastic, like, there's so many angles you could go with the Las Vegas one, but, you know, they're not going to be able to wear them until they actually go to Las Vegas. Yeah. And also putting out an Oakland one would just be the most pathetic thing ever. It would be. Yes. <laughs> it's one yeah. where you, they just have to pretend the A's aren't in the league and just yeah. wait till, wait till 2027 or eight. Yep. Or just make yeah. the city. Make, yeah, release the release the city connects in whenever they move to Vegas, and then just make yeah, no, there there will just be twenty nine city connects for like five years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. from twenty twenty four until you know twenty eight. Yeah, and then just make the city connects the actual A's uniforms. That's just make that happen. 
You can know, you know what they should do is they can make they should make a a city connect that combines Philadelphia, Kansas City, Oakland, and Las Vegas. Like it just um, gets all yeah. of them. Yeah, yes, yes, they should do that. But yeah, yeah, I'm thinking that'd be, that'd be really cool. I'm thinking that like uh the back of the like the the number on the back of the jersey is surrounded like by diamonds or hearts or like spades or something yeah That'd be pretty cool um but yeah i guess that does promote gambling which isn't against sports yeah which mlb all. does not do at all mlb yeah, does no. not promote gambling they do not have like a, a betting show on mlb network there are not DraftKings ads on mlb tv uh yeah no that doesn't they don't have they don't have gambling games literally on their like play app uh, they don't they don't promote gambling. No, they you know, don't. Like they, they they took their stance on P Rose and they're like, we are going to run with this. Right. And not, you know, and not dissociate from it in any way at all, ever. Yes, yes. Um all right. So speaking of MLB Network, uh, they just ran a segment uh about, you know, do, do you want to run over what the segment was? Yeah, so the segment was you know, it was a breakdown of active Hall of Famers that are currently playing in baseball, and they tiered them by guys that are in right now. If they retire today, they're getting in in the red zone, which I think just means like one or two good seasons, and they're in the in right now conversation uh, on a path, which means they're you know they're getting there, you know, but they're not quite there yet. And then get back to me in five years, which was kind of reserved for younger players, guys that are like. You know, they're having a really good start to their career, but, you know, we'll have to stay updated because you obviously can't just say they're in right now or even on a path. Um, so Chris and I decided that we are going to uh, give our lists. And I it was for me, this was a lot harder than I thought it would be, uh, which maybe that's just a me thing because I'm obsessed with the Baseball Hall of Fame and cases and, you know, in breaking down and evaluating and all that fun stuff. Uh, what about you? How was your experience doing this list? Um, it was interesting. And by when I, when I saw red zone, I just went, uh, I, I figured it would be like football. So like 80% <laughs> of the way there at least. Yeah. So like, yeah, sure. And some guys are on the two yard line. Some guys are on the 19 yard line. Well, and, when you made the football analogy to red zone, I thought of the channel before I thought of the 20 yard line. Seven hours of hall of fame analysis start now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, commercial free hall of fame analysis yes um so yeah i i uh yeah my process was and at one point i was thinking like oh am i putting too many players down and then i figured for reference i would go to um you know how many hall of fame players just play in a given year so i went to 1970 because you know everyone who's pretty much everyone who's played in 1970 you've determined the hall of fame is determined whether they're a hall of famer or not. And also that was before the DH. So I could just see how many hall of famers had a plate appearances, how many hall of famers had a plate appearance in 1970, which I just gauge is like a given year and 40 players. So, you know, you figure probably like 30 to 40, maybe 50 players right now are eventually going to get into the hall in of total. Fame. I put 43 in total. Yeah. I put, I put like, I think 35 ish. Okay. Um, And yeah. And, and especially with the get back to me in five years, that's such, that's very, very. I, I did not just go for young guys. Uh, I, I opened that up to some more. 
Uh, do you want to just get into it? Um, yeah, we could absolutely get into it. Uh, and yeah, Daniel definitely is the uh, the Hall of Fame correspondent, living an hour south of uh, south of Cooperstown. Uh, I think east. East. Okay, hour yeah. east of Cooperstown. Um, definitely has a uh, an affinity for the Hall of Fame. Uh, so yeah, it is definitely a uh, an important topic here on the show. But yeah, we'll start with maybe the I don't know. Actually, it's not the easiest segment, but for a, for a particular few players, it is an easy segment. Uh, we'll start with in right now. So who do you have in the hall? They retire right now. They're in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the one that needs the least explanation. I, I think that's the best way of putting it. But my my in right now uh, class is Mike Trout, Miguel Cabrera, Paul Goldschmidt, Freddie Freeman, Evan Longoria, Joey Votto, Justin Verlander, Clayton Kershaw, Max Serger, Zach Greinke, and this might be a controversial one, not because of his Hall of Fame case, but because of if he's considered active. But I put Cole Hamels. Uh, I'm the, you know, I, I'm like the self-proclaimed leader of the Hamels hype train. Uh, he is in the minor leagues with the Padres right now. And who knows, maybe he'll get back to the majors this year. Uh, if he does, the class of 2025 first years are going to be like, or the class of 2026 first years is going to be like the worst first year class ever because he's the only guy with any semblance of a chance there right now. Um but I am considering him active. Uh, so I, I gave one explanation here. Actually, I gave two explanations here. So Evan Longoria, yeah. you know, I think this one might be a little more controversial, especially in the in right now case. You know, I think a lot of people would consider him in the red zone. Maybe people wouldn't even consider him at all. But my breakdown on Evan Longoria, he has 54.6 F war and 58.3 B war and 120 OPS plus. And, those of you that know me know that my Hall of Fame analysis starts with wins above replacement, and my rule is 50 is my line of consideration, and 70 is my line of I've seen enough, essentially. Uh, if you're at 50, that's when I start considering you. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're there on both websites or one. You know, I prefer both, obviously, uh, unless you're a catcher. As long as you're there on fan graphs, I don't really care because baseball reference doesn't include framing metrics. But Evan Longoria is at 50 on both sites, and... If you look at players with 55 to 60 BWAR, 115 to 125 OPS plus, and 7,800 to 8,200 plate appearances, it's Evan Longoria, Chet Lemon, who's a guy who played for the Tigers in the 70s and 80s, and Joe Maurer. And Joe Maurer is interesting because I referenced BWAR here, and I just said catchers don't include framing metrics. Joe Maurer actually has a higher BWAR than FWAR. He's at 55 FWAR or 55 BWAR and 53 FWAR. So, and Joe Maurer is going to be getting into the Hall of Fame soon, maybe even next year. Uh, I definitely in the next three years, I think, because you know BBWA writers love voting in catchers with any semblance of a chance and Evan Longoria is right there with him I don't think he gets in first year I I think he gets in if he gets in at all I think he's a later years type of guy you know like the seven through ten years something like that um but I I have Evan Longoria and then my second uh you know uh explanation that I put is for Cole Hamels. Uh, I think that's obviously one that needs some explaining, but he is 51.6 F war and 58 B war, 123 ERA plus. And my number one stat on Cole Hamels is the first thing I point to every time I talk to about him. Uh, he is one of four pitchers to have at least six seasons with 200 innings pitched, 130 ERA plus and 7.9 strikeouts per nine. That essentially means you're pitching a lot of innings, striking out a decent number of batters, and you have a very good you have very good run prevention. 
The only four guys that have done this six times in a season are Roger Clemens, Randy Johnson, Justin Verlander, and Cole Hamels. Randy Johnson is a clear Hall of Famer. Justin Verlander will be a clear Hall of Famer. Roger Clemens would have been a clear Hall of Famer if he didn't take PEDs. And then there's Cole Hamels. So that those are my cases for Evan Longoria and Cole Hamels. Yeah, yeah. Um, You're kind of making me look like uh, I'm Dan Sha- Shaughnessy over here. I only have like seven <laughs> in right now. Um, yeah. But uh, and yeah, and then I have, I'll I'll get in on the red zone because there's a couple guys that yeah are on like the th- two or three yard line here mm-hmm. for me. Um, I have uh Salvador. No, I'm kidding. Not Salvador. <laughs> I have uh Mike Trout, Miguel Cabrera, Clayton Kershaw, Justin Verlander, uh, and Max Scherzer. Those are probably the obvious consensus. I think everyone agrees on those. Yeah. Um, I also have Zach Granke. Uh, who I will provide explanation on Joey Votto and also Paul Goldschmidt. Um, I I okay. only I only think the only, I think the only one you're missing is Longoria, Hamels, and Freddie Freeman, which is completely fair. Right. Oh wait, no. Do you have Max Scherzer? I have Max Scherzer. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you Verlander as well. Yep. Did I miss yep. that? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Trout, yeah, Trout so... Cabrera, Kershaw, Verlander, and Scherzer are all, um, the, the obvious are, ones. I think. Yeah consensus i think everyone agrees on that Mm -hmm. uh zach granke i'll provide some explanation on because i think i think people just forget you know how good he is how good his career is because he is you know an interesting guy um you know he has kind of been with a lot of organizations so he's not any organizations like best player or, or like you know and he and he's had he's had one cy young but it was in a it was on the 2009 royals so I think people kind of forget how good he is sometimes. And uh, with Granke, uh, from 2008 to 2019, he's third in B-War and fourth in F-War, uh, third in B-War behind Kershaw and Verlander. And I think personally for me, if, I, if I'm looking at career war, I kind of look at career B-War because, you know, I think I consider ERA a little bit more when I'm talking over a longer term scale because pitchers can kind of, fit to a certain way and also be more factors for if you have a good defense behind you or not. So it kind of factors that in a little bit more. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and also he averaged five war per year for a 12 year span between 08 and uh, 2019. So I think Zach Greinke and along with that, he accumulated five wins above replacement as a, as a hitter. So that's pretty wild. Uh, if you want to factor that in. So yeah, Zach Granke, uh, I have in right now as well as uh, as well as you, and yeah, I think Granke can get muddled in or can kind of get forgotten about a little bit because, um, you know, he wasn't he wasn't a Cy Young finalist like every year, but when he was, at, when he was at when he's been at an elite level, it's been like crazy elite. We saw that with 2015 and 2009. And when he wasn't like that, he was usually still like a four to five win pitcher in terms of wins above replacement. Also a career 122 ERA plus, and he's the active leader in innings. So he's accumulated that over a really long period of time. He has the longevity. He's 82 strikeouts away from uh, 3000. So, you know, I just think overall clear cut Hall of Famer, Zach Greinke. Uh, yeah, Joey no, Votto. I, I uh, Joey Votto. I mean, it's it's kind of a boomer take to say he's not a Hall of Famer because you're just looking at hits and home runs and and the total number of that. If you just 
looked at on base percentage the same way you looked at batting average and looked at times on base the same way you looked at hits, it would be a clear case that Joey Votto is a Hall of Famer. Um, led an on base percentage seven times, top five in OPS plus seven times. That's a park adjusted statistic. So that doesn't even factor the fact that he played at Great American Ballpark for all of his career. Uh, he led in times on base five times. Uh, that's important. That's hits, walks, hit by pitches, all that. He led in that five times. Uh, also, eight seasons with 475 plus plate appearances and a 155 OPS plus or better. There are two other players with exactly eight. Those are Johnny Mize and Frank Thomas. Both are Hall of Famers. And he also had nine seasons with a 925 OPS in 475 plate appearances or more. The the other players with exactly nine seasons of those parameters are Mike Trout, Vladimir Guerrero, Rafael Palmero, Ken Griffey Jr., Mickey Mantle, Harry Heil, Harry Heilman, and Rogers Hornsby. All those are Hall of Famers except for uh, Rafael Palmero and Palmero obviously on the uh, on the juice, so he was not voted in. Um, and then the last player I'm giving an explanation for for my in right now is Paul Goldschmidt. He kind of borders between red zone and in right now for me. But I think if he retired right now, I'd put him in. He's uh, over 60 B war um, and he's at like 56 point something F war. And uh, my explanation for that, he's the second most position player F war since 2013 behind Mike Trout. And uh, he also has five, six win seasons and seven, five win seasons, according to baseball reference. And I qualify that as a hall of famer. Um, and he's been, he's been doing it for a while. I mean, second most position player F4 since, you know, in the last decade uh, is uh, a lot of, uh, you know, that, that qualifies him for me. And, you know, F4 takes into account the positional adjustment and takes away uh, points for being a first baseman. And he's still uh, second best for the last decade uh, in terms of position players. All right. So now we'll get into the uh, red zone. Who do you got? Yeah, uh, real quick, I'll just provide a brief explanation for why I put Freddie Freeman in the in right now list, just because you didn't. Um, Freddie Freeman's obviously a guy that's going to do a lot more in his career. You know, he's only uh, 33 years old, uh, which is pretty crazy considering how, how much he's already accomplished. But he's at 52 F war, 51 B war, 140 OPS plus. That's really valuable to me. Uh, you know, obviously, I, I think it's natural to not put him in right now because we know he's going to do so much more. But if he were to retire right now, uh, I would still put him on my ballot. Um, anyway, my red zone, uh, I kind of define this as guys that are around one or two solid seasons away. Um, but I have Moogie Betts, Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, Nolan Arenado, Jose Ramirez, Jose Altuve, Andrew McCutcheon, and Kenley Jansen. I think I only provided one uh, explanation for this one, and it was Andrew McCutcheon. Uh, he's obviously not someone that I would put in right now. Uh, but you know, a couple good seasons and he's, and he's there. He's had, he's at 51.6 F4, 48 B war and 129 OPS plus, which is really impressive. Uh, he's obviously not going to stay in this bracket forever, but guys with a 125 to 130 OPS plus and eight, 8,000 to 8,500 plate appearances include Mini Minoso, Yogi Berra, Bobby Bonds, and Bobby Gritch. Two of those guys are Hall of Famers and two statistically should be Hall of Famers. Uh, and you know, those are, I think his best Hall of Fame comparison right now is Mini Minoso. Uh, and you know, he's a guy, he is 36, but he, he has, a a 123 OPS plus this season. So, you know, he's proven that there is still something left in the tank. I think one or two more good seasons and I'm, and I'm listening on Andrew McCutcheon. 
Yeah, right, right, right. Um, yeah, McCutcheon. Yeah, McCutcheon's definitely interesting. I know when we did the All Decade team back in uh back when we were in the radio studio, um, I think I had him, or maybe we both had him in the outfield for that All Decade team. But mm-hmm. he was definitely, if we weren't, if he wasn't on both of our teams, he was definitely a top candidate. Um, which definitely says something. Um, so I can't wait to I can't wait to hear your explanation on Jose Ramirez. Um, I don't have him in the red zone. I have him on really. A Look yeah. at me being the Jose Ramirez guy today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, maybe maybe um, maybe I just looked too much into count and not rate statistics because I don't I don't spend a second looking at count. I'm being gonna be completely honest. I guess for it's ever war. Because yeah, I was looking at total war and not, yeah, I, yeah, maybe I, yeah, I don't he's, know. I mean, I, he's one or two seasons away from fifty. That's kind of why I put him there. I think he's at like low forties on, on both sites. And yeah, I guess maybe I could just put him in the red zone because he literally is the third best position player since twenty sixteen, and that's like a, almost a decade at this point. Yeah, that's a uh, yeah, seven he's year a, span. He's at forty two point seven uh F war and I would imagine his B war is probably relatively similar. I mean he kind of does everything. Maybe it's even higher because they value his defense. Um his B war is forty one point seven. Yeah. So I figure, you know, a couple good years to get to fifty. Yeah. Me yeah, I think he's he for me, I think he's probably like bordering between on a path and red zone. Maybe he's at the twenty two yard line for me right now. All right. Um so for red zone, I put for what I put down, I put uh Mookie Betts, who I think is on like the two yard line. I think literally if he gets MVP votes this year, I think I would put him in. Yep. I yeah, would put him he's, in right he's now. Incredibly close. Yeah. Uh Manny Machado. Um, I also put Jacob deGrom in the red zone, uh, along with Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman is also very, very, very close for me. Bryce Harper's in the red zone, Nolan Arenado, and uh I put Evan Longoria in the red zone. However, I think I think he's just not like it's it's hard it, it would be hard for him to for me to put him in the Hall of Fame tier right now and like it it's hard for me to imagine him like having like a four win season that puts him over the edge for me um but I did just put him in the red zone uh who where where did we differ on the red zone uh Jose Altuve uh, uh yeah I have him on a path okay uh did you say Machado Yes, I did say Machado. Yeah. All right. You obviously we obviously had Jose Ramirez. Uh I mean we kind of differed on Evan Longoria. Um and did you put McCutcheon? Did I catch that? I did not put McCutcheon. Okay. And then Kenley Jansen. Uh yeah, I don't yeah, I didn't have uh I didn't have Kenley in there. Um I think part of it is like I'm seeing how much Wagner's struggling to get in and how I you know, I I don't have him high on my uh on my, you know, ranking of like mm-hmm. where i put him on the hall of fame ballot and he had a like a 187 era plus i mean that's yeah no crazy. and that is and, a very good point billy wagner is overwhelmingly better than kenley jansen career-wise uh i don't really think there's much kenley can do at this point to even get to where wagner was um yeah. but yeah i mean i'll i'll provide more of an explanation later on i'll i'll say that yeah with with billy wagner yeah, I think he has a 187 ERA plus, and Kenley is like at 160 something, 162, I think. Yeah. So, 
Uh, and you know, it's not Billy like Biner also had 903 innings pitched, and Kenley's at like 780. Yeah. So Kenley Kenley could throw more innings for sure. I mean, he's 35. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, it kind of just depends how he closes out his okay. career. It was, nice. It, or yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, it kind of depends for me on on that. Um. Who did you have? Did you have, did you have Degrom in the red zone? I did not. I have him on a path. Yeah, my explanation for Degrom is like, it's part. It, it's kind of like the. I did not have any starting pitchers in the red zone. Believe it or not. Interesting. Yeah. I struggled. I struggled with Adam Wainwright. Uh, but, you know, I, I classify in the red zone as guys with one to two more good seasons to go, and he's obviously retiring at the end of this year. So, and also he's yeah. what forty one at this point, forty three right. maybe even. Uh, he's you know you can't really rely on well he's got to get one or two more good seasons not like he's you know 36 yeah true and uh yeah regarding Degrom, i think it's it's sort of it's a he's definitely whenever he does enter the hall of fame conversation he'll be an interesting conversation for sure it's almost like a sandy koufax conversation sort of because he's probably not going to accumulate a lot of wins above replacement but i mean just like thinking thinking about even what he does when he's healthy um like how he's so far and above everybody else i was looking recently even before yeah. this conversation arise since the start of 2021 like his he has the best fit by like 0.44 and he's the yeah. best strikeout minus walk rate by almost 10 percent. it's absolutely crazy so if he can do that for 140 innings two or three more times i think he's capable of getting in he already has two cy youngs in, under his belt uh, you know, another Cy Young finalist under his belt. And even like 2015, like 2015 to 2017, he was also really, really good uh, putting together full seasons, not quite at the Cy Young level, but very, very good, like four to five win seasons. So that's my explanation of why he's in the red zone. He's not, he probably won't even get to like 60 wins above replacement, but he's like at that level. And I guess the one argument against that is like, you know, Johan Santana, he didn't get into the hall of fame, not even yeah. close um but, I mean I'd argue everything DeGrom has done has already surpassed Johan Santana that is true that is true um but yeah so that's my that's my tangent on uh Jacob DeGrom would you like to provide any more explanation um I mean I'll I'll get I'll get to it later I'd say I think I got everything I mean you know we agree on a lot of stuff here Betts, Harper, Machado, Arnato. uh did you not put Jose Altuve uh I, I put him on a path I, I'm kind of maybe I'm being weird about that but what is he 32 he's 32 and he's like just below 50 yeah maybe maybe i'm considering too much what yeah other people i mean i don't know think. maybe we just have a different threshold because i've stated this before but my my in the red zone definition is one to two more good years and i think if jose altuve puts up two more like four win seasons then he's then he's absolutely like there right yeah i definitely understand that yeah. um and yeah, he's he's not far off from the red zone for me either. I mean, he's definitely a veteran guy who's been very good for a very long time. Um, all right, so do we want to get into on a path? Let's do it. Who is who is so, who do you categorize as on a path? So the first person I put is Aaron Judge. I almost put him in the red zone, but the only reason I didn't is because uh he's only play he only has six years of service time and you have to have ten to be on the ballot. Uh so if you retired right now, or even if you retired in three years, he technically wouldn't make it. So, 
so I have Aaron Judge on a path. I also have John Carlos Stanton, Francisco Lindor, Xander Bogarts, Carlos Correa, Trey Turner. I just have a bunch of shortstops. Uh, I have Garrett Cole, Jacob DeGrom, Craig Kimbrell, and Aaron Nola. Uh, you might notice that I put Kenley Jansen in the red zone and Craig Kimbrell uh, on a path, and that's because uh, Kenley Jansen is 80 more innings pitched than Craig Kimbrell. They have relatively similar career statistics, but you know, that's about a season and a half's worth of of innings pitched. And if you asked me this a year and a half ago, I wouldn't have put Kenley Jansen in the red zone. So uh, that's what I have there. And then for explanations, I just put one for Aaron Nola uh, because I think that is definitely a more interesting pick, so to speak. Uh, he has 31.1 F4, 30.9 B War, 115 ERA plus in 1291 innings pitched. And he is one of seven pitchers uh, to have, or is it seven? I think it's seven. Yeah, pitchers with 10 plus strikeouts per nine and a fit below 3.35 in their first nine big league seasons with at least 1,200 innings pitched. The other ones to do so are Jacob deGrom, Pedro Martinez, Chris Sale, Steven Strasburg, Garrett Cole, and Max Serger. And all of them were, I mean, you know, Sale and Strasburg are realistically probably not making the Hall of Fame at this point. Pedro Martinez and you know, Pedro Martinez and Max Serger go without saying, and Garrett Cole and Jacob DeGrom I also put on a path. So Aaron Nola, I think, uh, belongs in that same category. What about you? Um, Yeah, I'm actually, I think as I'm listening, it's easy to forget about guys, so I think I'm mm-hmm. sort of adding, adding maybe one or two guys that I wasn't particularly thinking about because there's so many players to think about here. Uh, on a path, I think this is, as, as you as you go further down, you get more and more subjective. So it's sometimes yeah. harder and harder to, to explain. And it's more about how you're outlooking a player's career than how you're reviewing a player's career. Um, so it it can get interesting when you're talking about this. So on a path, I have like a diff, different, you know, uh, characteristics of players. So I, in no particular order, by the way, here, um, Aaron Judge, uh, Jose Altuve, I mean, he's near the red zone. Uh, Shohei Otani, I think, is on a path. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Um, Jose Ramirez on a path near in the red zone. Uh, I'd say this is a weird one, and I don't even know how much I agree with this, but I just put him down. I put Chris Sale here um, because, I don't know, I mean, like, if he can get it back to where he was pre-surgery, I think there's something there and pitchers definitely age differently than position players. Uh, I also put Francisco Lindor as on a path, Carlos Correa. I put Garrett Cole on a path and uh, I, and maybe this is naive, but I put Juan Soto on a path already just because of how young he is. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm adding Shohei Otani to my, on the path list. Yeah. 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 Yeah, That's yeah. That goes without saying. Right. I mean, he's, he might even he might even be close to the red zone at this point. Right. I mean, he's this is his third year where he's doing he probably just needed to do what he did for four years. Really, yeah. realistically. And then he's a Hall of Famer because of how amazing it is. Um. So, yeah. So let's let's see our overlaps here. Um, yeah. How many how many players did you put? I put one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine on a path. Okay. Um uh, yeah. so we agree on Aaron Judge and Shohei Otani. Yeah. Um I put Altuve and Ramirez on a path instead of red, instead zone. Of red zone. Um 
I don't yeah I I think Ramirez maybe I just bias it because he's younger and like I feel like there's so much more he's gonna do but that doesn't mean I should all I should exclude him from from the red zone but I think part of it is just uh maybe the fact that he hasn't won an MVP yet Mm -hmm. uh even if he did win it in 2020 I mean that has its own you know asterisk next to it um yeah Shohei I put on a path because same reason as Aaron Judge like he hasn't eclipse 10 years of service time or is anywhere near it he debuted in 2018 and we're now in 2023 yeah right 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 you need um, 10 years of service time i feel like you should almost like show should almost get like double the service time because he's technically putting up two full seasons in one yes that actually like, is i i feel like that's a con- i mean yeah no hear me out you should have hit free agency after three years um <laughs> No, I mean, theoretically, right? Like, let's say he retires. Like, let's say, you know, God forbid things go wrong. He he eclipses nine years in the in the big leagues. You should still throw him on the Hall of Fame ballot. Yeah, well, like, like... How can you not? Like, just think about this. You know, he had, like, over 1,300 batter-pitcher interactions last year. The next best was probably, like, Alcantara at, like, 800-something. Yeah. Like that's not even close. <laughs> no, that's that's bolt leaderboard type stuff. Yeah. Um, so like, did you put? Yeah, he did is, you put he's Garrett doing Cole? a lot more. Did you put time. Garrett Cole? I put Garrett Cole. Yeah. Okay, I need I need to repeat yours again. I'm sorry. Uh, I have Judge Altuve, Otani, Ramirez, Sale, Lindor, Correa, Cole, Soto. Okay, so we definitely disagree on a lot. I put uh, Bogarts and Turner and Kimbrel and Nola. And Stanton, um, yeah. yeah, Bogarts is weird for me. Um, mm-hmm. Stanton, maybe I just don't believe in him aging gracefully. That's fair. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, on a path definitely doesn't guarantee like this person's going to, you know, be a valid candidate one day, but I mean, they've done everything right to like put themselves there. That's kind of my analysis of it. Turner, I just don't, I think, uh, what he's. 30 right now yeah i almost didn't put trey turner um turner i think like he'll turn into an average bat in probably a few years and mm-hmm. he's not going to be able to steal as many bases or be as good defensively and i think i think his and obviously this is very you know it's hard to view the future but i think if I had the eight ball right now, I, it would be saying like Hall of Very Good would be where yeah. Trey Turner would be. Yeah. Um, but I he could definitely prove me wrong. That's for sure. He's only 30. Um, so and uh, do, should we move into get back to me in five years? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, so this is, you know, kind of guys where it's just too early to say they're on a path, but they, you know, they're getting out to good starts. Uh, so my first three are Marcus Simeon, JT Real Muto, and Corey Seager. And I put these guys as, well, for Simeon and Real Muto, it's guys that have been premier players in the league but are but didn't peak immediately. So, you know, I'd like to see if they continue to peak in the next five years. Um, Simeon's been doing very well this year. He had, you know, fantastic 2021 season, 2019, 2022. Uh, Real Muto, same thing. You know, he definitely wasn't the, the best catcher in the league you know, when he was with the Marlins, but he's definitely become that with the Phillies. Corey Seager just hasn't been able to stay on the field too much, but he is only 29 still, and he's locked up for another 10 years. So, you know, I could, I, you know, that's that, you know, that's one where I say get back to me in five years for that exact reason. But for the other others I have, 
Ronald Acuna Jr., Fernando Tatis Jr., Juan Soto, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Julio Rodriguez, Adley Rutschman, Rafael Devers, Jordan Alvarez, Shane Bieber, Sandy Alcantara, and Corbin Burns. Uh, so I provided two explanations on this one, the first being Adley Rutschman. Uh, this is obviously a very bold pick considering he has only played uh, 160 games and he is not even like, you know, locked up by a team yet by the Orioles. Uh, you know, Julio, you know, he did only play, you know, he only he has only played one full season, but he's under contract for like between 12 and 17 years. Um, Adley Rutschman, on the other hand, has only played 160 games. He has 6.7 F4 and 6.7 B war, and he is 132 OPS plus as a catcher. Uh, my biggest Adley stat, he is 3.3 B war away from becoming the first catcher in baseball history with 10 B war in their first two seasons. And I think it's very realistic to believe he gets there. Uh, you know, and like I mentioned earlier, the BBWA loves their catchers. They they outperform what their statistics say based on the, the trends on how they do on Hall of Fame ballots. Uh, and I think Adley is a guy that we can start saying, get back to me in five years on that one. The other one I put was Jordan Alvarez. You know, he's a guy that is kind of only known for offense. And, you know, he, he is a left fielder, but he kind of, I feel like it's viewed more as a DH. Um, he is 15.7 F4 and 15.1 B war, and he has 162 OPS plus in 1700 plate appearances. Uh, in the integration era that goes back to 1947, there are seven players with a 160 OPS plus and 1500 plus plate appearances before turning 27. And they are Ralph Kiner, Mickey Mantle, Dick Allen, Frank Thomas, Albert Pujols, Mike Trout, and Jordan Alvarez. Uh, this is a Dick Allen stat just as much as it's a Jordan Alvarez stat, but uh, he is in the upper echelon of like amazing hitters to start their career. You know, like Trout got compared to Mantle all the time, uh, you know, or DiMaggio all the time when he was coming up. If we're talking just offensively, Jordan Alvarez is on the is in the upper echelon, and I think uh, we can start talking about his Hall of Fame case right now. Uh, yeah, yeah, I. I uh yeah I agree with that I also put him in the um in the get back to me in five years the get back to me in five years one I also made very a very interesting list because I have guys that are like 22 and I have guys that are like 30 um so it's interesting so Bogarts I put in the get back to me in five years and my explanation for that is like I think he's he's an interesting player based on like where his defense is varied. We've seen that, you know, in the past couple of years where he went from a really bad defensive shortstop in 2021 to a really good defensive shortstop uh, last year and this year. Um, Isn't he in the hundredth percentile of outs above average? Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's yeah. And it's weird. I, I think he, but he also only has like still very good, but he still has like two defensive runs saved. So I don't know. It, it's, there's some weird variance with that early in the season for sure. Um, and I, yeah, I put him, I put him get back to me in five years because yeah, he's in like the mid thirties for wins above replacement. Um, and I'm wondering like where his power is going to be at because, you know, he had a power drop last year, um, hasn't had as much power this year. Um, and I think I'm just curious as to what he will do, because if I out, if I, if I'm having the eight ball, I think he's also Hall of Very Good, but he could literally just 
outperform my expectations each year by like half a win win above replacement and then he's like hall of fame level for me i i do worry about like you know how much he i i it's kind of like the felix hernandez complex where like you know he he's hall of fame worthy but then he really struggles in his last couple seasons and like a lot of his rate stats kind of fall uh like far below where you'd even consider right yeah it's 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 hard to yeah, it's hard to say with Bogart. So, because mm-hmm. um, he is locked yeah. up for you know eleven years and beyond his into his age forty two season, right? And yeah, if he's and yeah, if he's good for like literally one or two years longer than I expect him to be good, then yeah, I think he's probably a Hall of Famer. Um, but outlooking him, I kind of I'm a little hesitant. Um, and then my other get back to me in five years, I put uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. Um, I put Rafael Devers just because of how much bat talent he has. Like, so did I. We could see, you know, we could. He, he he's already shown to be a guy who could get over 900 OPS for you. He could easily get 1,000 OPSs, maybe even a, an 1,100 OPS for the Red Sox um, at certain points in his career. He's only 26, so that's part of why I put him. I also put Adley Rutschman. Um, I mean, that's an amazing talent. He's probably going to be the best catcher for the next five, six years in baseball. Uh, I put Austin Riley. Uh, I put Jordan Alvarez, Corbin Burns, Kyle Tucker, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Um, And then for younger guys, I put uh, Julio Rodriguez and Spencer Strider. Um, I also put Zach Gallen. Um, Maybe it's recency bias. I don't know. Um, But he's only 27. So that's a factor. Um, I put uh I put I added Aaron Nola because you mentioned him in the on a path and I uh also put Fernando Tatis Jr. because I completely blanked on him before. Yeah, that's but fair. uh he's yeah, he's absolutely amazing. Um yeah, for Zach Gallen, I think just part like uh why I put him in I I'm I'm itching to put Alcantara on. I feel like it m- might be stupid not to put Alcantara or Alcantara on the uh yeah on the get back to me in five, but I think yeah, Gallon just has like the great strikeout to walk numbers, at least this year. And last year he was pretty good with it. 2020, he was good with that. So I think I'm optimistic with that. He's been able to show to get uh, a lot of innings to Alcantara. The case is like, he's going to get you innings. It's just going to be consistent. He's going to be able to do that. I think my worry with Alcantara is he doesn't get as many strikeouts and, you know, Pitchers that do well over a greater amount of time typically got a lot of strikeouts. Um, so maybe, um, but I could be wrong. I, Alcantara could just be like a, a Greg Maddox type, but I'm not sure. But sure. he's bordering get back to me in five years for me. But I don't know. It's not super official, but I don't know. Do, do we want to do some more uh, explaining? Uh, I mean, I explained everyone that I... Uh like had stuff for i don't know i mean did we both have austin riley i thought about him but i i uh put him off but i you know that's one where i could see myself being wrong on uh i he just missed for me there were a couple guys that just missed for me um yeah Yeah. there were a couple guys for why put austin riley i think uh him like he's similar to devers and like he has a lot of just bat talent um you know, high in the barrel rate ranks, it's easy, you know, it like 
he's not having a great year so far this year, but I could see I see that easily redirecting itself and and I uh, go I, ahead. I swear to God, I typed Alex Bregman, but I don't see him here. I put him in on a path. Oh, that's weird. I think I also yeah. forgot about Alex Bregman. No, I I meant to put Alex Bregman. I was very close on Matt Chapman. I ended up not putting him though. Um, who else was I close on? There were a couple guys. Um, Adam Wainwright. I mentioned before. I swear to God, I meant to put Alex Bregman, but I don't see him here. I okay. Add Alex Bregman to my on a path, but I meant to put him. Um, yeah, he's he's definitely got to be there for me. Yeah, Alex Bregman. I'll also put. Um on a path so in the in the in the going back in time we'll do that um so yeah, yeah did you i did you put um vladimir Guerrero jr i did i put him in get back to me in five years um i yeah, put shane I, bieber as well and put in corbin burns yeah uh, i put corbin burns too um yeah. i yeah the one i'm i'm kind of weird on um it maybe it's a a weird pick is Kyle Tucker. Um, yeah, I, I just haven't seen enough from him to be like, yeah, we got to talk about this one later. Yeah. I think I just had, I might've had just lower standards for the get back to me in five years because it was mostly guys that like piqued my curiosity, but yeah. Tucker has amazing, like just, um, again, like great contact rates, uh, great, um, great batted ball profile, great, uh, you know, hard hit rate, all that stuff, and also very good defense. So I think over a longer sample, we could see him as one of the better players in baseball. But yeah, it it is fair to say like, oh, we haven't seen enough from him because yeah, he hasn't, yeah. hasn't I been be an shocked. MVP finalist or anything. I wouldn't be shocked if one day we're talking about him, but uh, not yet. And uh, I think, yeah, I made mine very subjective because I put two guys that are literally in their second year. Uh, mm-hmm. I put Julio Rodriguez because of, you know, just great defense, great, um, great batted ball profile stuff, great uh, base running. Like that's an that's an amazing talent, and I could see him being, you know, in five years we could see him on a path. Uh, Spencer yeah. Strider, same thing. Like, I mean, he's literally leading in strikeout rate over the past two years and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, if, as as long as he can stay healthy. Um, I see no reason why he yeah, isn't. Yeah, mine was also, I guess, very subjective because I put Julio, but not in like Adley, but not Spencer Strider. I did think about him. Yeah, uh, it, it's tough because you don't know how many innings he's going to throw. Um, mm-hmm. You don't know if some problem is going to arise, you know, not, you know. Yeah, pitchers uh, are a little more, I guess, risky yeah. for that reason. Exactly. Yeah, um, yeah do we want to get into players to highlight or is there anything more that needs to be said? No, I don't think so. I think, you know, good good discussion to have you know yeah. i think it's mlb now brought a brought up a good uh potential for dialogue so i appreciate mm-hmm. them for that because yeah you don't really think about that while it's happening it's more like five years after and it's like oh this guy's on the ballot wow look at that yeah um, i think i think the ballots are going to give it really fun uh when you and i are in like our 30s when it's guys that we got to watch the peak of yeah that's true yeah because i mean you know next year it's like Oh, Joe Maurer is on the ballot, but like I didn't, you know, I didn't watch most of his career. Chase Utley, same thing. I yeah, guess Adrian Beltre, we kind of did watch the peak of because he peaked very late. He's on the ballot next year. That's true. Um, 
And what's funny is like I, I mentioned this sometimes during Hall of Fame talk because it's a funny subject, but like literally, like we talk about like Andrew Jones, Scott Rowland. My memory of Scott Rowland is like him on the Blue Jays as like a 36 year old just diving down the third baseline, which and like you know, not being his peak form in my memory of did Andrew you, Jones. Did you like, yeah, did did you see him in person? Um, I may I, I watched a Blue Jays Red Sox game in 09, and I think that's okay. when he was there. Gotcha. I mean, yeah, you probably had no idea. Actually, that guy's like a future Hall of Famer. Yeah, no idea. And then <laughs> Andrew Jones, I just remembered as like an overweight pinch hitter for the Yankees <laughs> and not, you know, the best defensive outfielder of all time. Yeah, I mean, I saw and just by eye test. I saw Vlad Guerrero Sr. play for the Orioles in 2011 and 11-year-old me had no idea. Like, actually, this guy used to be insane with the Angels and the Expos. Yeah. And now he's just, you know, happy to get some ABs for the Baltimore Orioles. Right. Exactly. Although exactly. He, was good, he was good for the O's and he was good for the Rangers in 2010. Right. Yeah. And he just yeah. didn't get signed again, which was weird. Yeah. That, that's definitely my weird. Like, I went back and was like, wait, I saw this guy play. Are you kidding me? And I had no idea. Yeah. Right. 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 Why, why didn't I understand at 11 years old how good Vladimir Guerrero was in 2004 when I was four years old? Why didn't someone. Uh, take out their original iPhone and and uh, show me a YouTube video of uh, him throwing <laughs> out that guy with the expos. Yeah, yeah, dude. Why why didn't uh yeah why didn't my dad pull out his BlackBerry and be like, see, he hit this ball off the ground in this very <laughs> ballpark. Yeah. yeah. Why didn't he? Yeah. Why didn't he pull it out and wait an hour for the video to load? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, well, why? What? What's up with that? Exactly, exactly. So that will lead into players to highlight for good and bad reasons, where we will start off with uh, some players that have been outperforming our expectations a little bit, at least as of late, um, for our uh, Monday, May 22nd, 2023 edition of... How about that? Um, Who do you have for us today? So my how about that, I, I briefly mentioned him. I think last show or a couple shows ago, I think it was last show, uh, I'm talking about the new ground god in Major League Baseball. I'm talking about Bryce Elder of the Atlanta Braves, uh, who in the month of May has a 193 ERA and a 256 FIP. Uh, He has a K to walk ratio of 3.17 over this time and has not allowed a home run. Uh, Throughout May, he has a 56.1% ground ball rate, the sixth highest among the 104 pitchers with at least 50 batted balls throughout the month. Uh, His sinker-slider combo has been equally effective. Obviously, you know, when you're talking about most ground ball guys, you know, guys that are not named Andre Pallante, you're talking about sinker ballers, and that's exactly what Bryce Elder is. Uh, His... His sinker has a ground ball rate of 61.3% in the month of May. That is 7% above the MLB average. Uh, But his slider has actually been what's outperforming it. Almost every time you see a sinker baller with a a good slider is like their secondary pitch. Logan Webb is a good example. Their slider usually gets hit in the air a lot. But uh, as for Elder, his slider actually gets hit on the ground just as much. Uh, His slider in the month of May has a ground ball rate of 60.9% only 0.6 behind the sinker, and that is the 11th highest rate among the 87 pitchers with at least 10 batted balls against their slider. He is 23. Uh, it leads uh, the hitter, the pitchers with 20 batted balls against their slider. Uh, his his sweet spot rate uh, 
uh, for his slider is 17.4% in May, and that is the 11th lowest. Uh, and his negative 6.9 run value against the slider is the lowest in the majors this, this month. Uh, that means for every slider he throws, he's, you know, for all the sliders he's thrown, he's preventing almost seven runs, which is really impressive. Opponents are hitting 091 against it in May and slugging 152. Throughout the season, his slider has had a run value of negative 11. That is tied for the fourth lowest among all pitches throughout all of baseball. And among the 274 pitches with at least 50 batted balls against them this year, Elder's slider ranks 13th lowest in batting average at 132, fifth lowest in slugging at 171, and sixth lowest in Woba at 185. So Bryce Elder, uh, he's kind of been the newest uh, Braves like created pitcher that's been doing extraordinarily well this season. Uh, and like I, you know, those you know me that know that I love me some ground ball pitchers, you know, Logan Webb, Andre Pallante, Framber Valdez, and Bryce Elder is kind of becoming the, that next guy. Uh, and he's been really awesome in the month of May. Yeah, Bryce Elder. How about that? Um, yeah, and yeah, the, very necessary for the Braves rotation. Uh, they've lost Max Reed for a couple months, you know, defending uh, Cy Young runner-up, but they're doing fine because of guys like Bryce Elder stepping up. Um, all right. So now my how about that? Um, this is a guy who I was a little early on. He was my 2022 Rays player to watch because he was a top like 60 prospect. Uh, struggled a little bit last year, but is really finding a stride this year. I'm talking about Josh Lowe, uh, who in 144 plate appearances this year, he is hitting 318 with a 1027 OPS and a 185 weighted runs created plus. Out of 179 hitters with 140 plus plate appearances this year, Josh Lowe leads in slugging, is fifth in OPS, and second in weighted runs created plus. Uh, his Also, his expected numbers are kind of on par, maybe getting slightly lucky, but not to an extreme level. His expected Woba is in the 94th percentile, and his expected slugging is in the 97th percentile. A lot of that has to do with his extremely uh extreme increase in barrel rate from 2022 to 2023 his barrel rate has gone from 5.2 percent to 15.0 percent and also he's doing better avoiding strikeouts his strikeout rate has gone from 33 percent down to 22 percent uh a lot of this has to do with him just seeing less pitches and getting uh less deep in accounts against his favor uh, he went from going to a two strike count in 65% of his plate appearances last year to 56% of his plate appearances this year. So a 9% drop in seeing two strike counts. Uh, and when he does get to a two strike count, his called strike and whiff rate on two strike counts is when has gone from 23% to 18%. So he's doing a little bit better when it does get to two strikes. Um, also, Josh Lowe's Average exit velocity on fly balls has gone from 92.9 miles per hour to 94.6 miles per hour. A good increase. It's going to increase his, you know, home run rate on fly balls. And, uh, but what is much more impactful is that he has went from pulling 18% of his fly balls to pulling 34% of his fly balls. Uh, That's a big mark because obviously, you know, in literally every ballpark, the, uh, especially, you know, he's a left-handed hitter in every ballpark. It is shorter to right field than it is to center field. So if he's pulling more of his fly balls, uh, he's going to do a lot better on it. And the higher exit velocity and pull rate on fly balls 
has led his home run fly ball ratio from going going from 4% last year to 28% this year, which is wow. pretty unbelievable. Uh, yeah. It's a large it's a large uh, factor in what's been making him hit home runs and just doing overall better. So, so yeah, uh, Josh Lowe has made an adjustment, pulling more fly balls, hitting harder fly balls, therefore getting a lot more home runs and raising his average OPS, everything. So, uh, Josh Lowe. How about that? Um, all right, so now we go from the highs to the lows where we're talking players or subjects that have been underperforming with our um, – with our uh, Monday, May 22nd, 2023 edition of Slightly Alarming. Uh, who do you have for us today? So for my Slightly Alarming, I'm actually talking again about a guy that we talked about kind of at length earlier. I'm talking about Andres Jimenez, uh, nice. who I was hoping you weren't going to go too deep into him because I have a lot on him. Uh, luckily, I'm using a different span, though. Since April 10th, this has kind of been a whole season thing with him. He is slashing 183, 254, 270 for a 524 OPS and a 47 weighted runs created, plus the fourth lowest among the 175 qualifiers. Uh, Throughout this year, he ranks dead last in average exit velocity and hard hit rate. His average exit velocity is 83.8 miles per hour. His hard hit rate is 20%. Remember how I said, if you look at a Savant page, it's like the percentiles are really bad? Yeah. Yeah, we're talking about first percentile and in, in two of the main batted ball statistics. Yeah. He also ranks eleventh. He also ranks uh, tied for eleventh lowest in barrel rate this season at one point two percent per plate appearance. Uh, not very good. And throughout this span, eighteen point one percent of his batted balls have been thirty plus degrees and eighty five miles per hour or less. Uh, that's essentially a, a high fly ball that is not going to get out, and it will almost always be a fly out uh that is the 16th highest rate uh, among the 278 hitters with at least 50 batted balls over the span so not only is he hitting the ball at the softest rate but he's also hitting the ball in the air far too much uh and that's why you're seeing a lot of the decreases uh, that you're seeing for him um his outs above average this year has gone from the 98th percentile in 2022 to the 35th percentile in 2023 and this is because last year he specifically dominated in plays to his right. Uh, he had 10 outs above average to his right. That was the fourth highest in all of baseball. And this year he is at a flat zero. And there are 96 players that have accumulated at least one out above out above average to their right. Uh, and Andres Menes has done that not none of the time. Uh, his success rate overall this year, his success rate added has gone from 3% to negative 1%, which is pretty substantial uh, between the two years. So Andres Jimenez, he's hitting the ball very lightly. He's not playing good defense. And obviously, like we mentioned earlier, he's a large part of the reason why the Guardians have been slipping over the last 20 games. Yeah, uh, Andres Jimenez. Slightly alarming. Um, And yeah, they did just give him a, an extension before this year. Yes, they did. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, yeah, not hitting, not hitting the ball hard or in the right places and he's playing bad defense, as you mentioned, uh, not the best. Uh, my, um, my slightly alarming is also a younger guy who really broke out last year. In fact, uh, won national league rookie of the year. I'm talking about Michael Harris, um, who in 91 plate appearances, uh, this year, he's hitting 171 with a 509 OPS and a 41 weighted runs created plus. Out of 277 hitters with 90-plus plate appearances this year, he is bottom 10 in average slugging OPS and weighted runs created plus. Uh, along with that, 
uh, Michael Harris's uh, sweet spot rate has gone from 33% down to 23%. His line drive rate has gone from 22% to 12%. And his pop-up rate has gone from 4% up to 11%. So he's hitting far less line drives and far more pop-ups, which is never going to turn out well for uh, for any player. Uh, along with that, uh, out of 319 hitters with 50-plus batted balls this year, his sweet spot rate ranks fifth lowest and his line drive rate ranks fourth lowest. That's pretty much bottom one to 2% in line drive rate and sweet spot rate. Uh, and this I found particularly crazy from 2022 to 2023, Michael Harris has gone from slugging 632 on fastballs to slugging 189 with a 157 expected slugging on fastballs. Uh, his whiff rate on fastballs has gone from 23% to 30%, and his average exit velocity on fastballs has gone from 89.3 miles per hour to 84.0 miles per hour. Uh, also, he had a 36% sweet spot. He had a 36% sweet spot rate on fastballs last year, but has a 7% sweet spot rate against them this year on uh, 27, 27 batted balls, uh, two batted balls in the sweet spot on fastballs this year. Uh, there are 323 hitters to see 150 plus fastballs this year. And not only does Harris have the lowest expected slugging against them, no one is within 80 points of him in expected slugging on fastballs. I don't know what his problem is. It's, it's pretty insane to see a year to year change like that from going to slugging over 600 on, you know, four seamers, cutters, sinkers uh, to, slugging under 200 on them so uh, i don't know if it was a uh, bad adjustment or a bad habit that he's running into but he is just not seeing fastballs the same way he used to um and not seeing really any pitch the way he used to but especially fastballs so michael harris so far in 2023 slightly alarming um, yeah i know he was just on the il uh he I'm trying to find he had a strained lower back uh, he was out from for like a pretty minimal amount of time, but I don't know, maybe, maybe something with that, that's still, still not feeling right. Right. Yeah. It, it definitely could be, um, attributed to the injury. Cause yeah, I tried to look up the injury, but it was, I found something that took him out of like a game that was day to day, but not the IL stint. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Interesting. But once again, Braves keep rolling. <laughs> They're still a first place team. Yep. Yep. Um, <laughs> So yeah, uh, shout out to them. Um, all right, so that leads into a preview of the week ahead, um, where I will be looking at the series to watch. Daniel will be looking at the day by day pitching matchups. Um, so for series to watch, uh, I have three series that um, I'm looking at here. Um, the Rays and Blue Jays. Uh, that's a good matchup. Um, two teams that were doing pretty hot but have cooled off a little bit since their little hot stretches uh that's going to be at tropicana field um i believe that that will span over four games so good series that'll be uh kevin kiermeyer's first time back yeah yeah one of the long actually probably one of the longest tenured rays ever yeah like he's up there with like david price is like face of the franchise Evan Longoria. And Evan Longoria too. Yeah. He's yeah. he's the actual one. But yeah. Um and uh another series to watch 
Probably, probably the sorry to interrupt. Probably the longest tenured Ray that wasn't on the 2018. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Right, because they did keep a lot of those guys for a decent amount of time. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other series to watch, uh, also an AL East matchup: Yankees Orioles. Uh, the Yankees are hosting, and that is going to be a. Another four game series, I believe, unless it doesn't start on Monday. Um, uh, it does not start on Monday, so it would be a three gamer. Three game series spans Tuesday to Thursday. I was looking up before the show. I believe they are the second and third best teams in the AL since um since like May eighth or something like that. So they're both rolling pretty hot. Um, and then these series, these series to watch this week is uh, Braves Dodgers, who I believe are the two best teams in the national league right now um, or just overall based on how it's been. I thought it was going to be Braves Padres uh, were the two best teams in the national league, but it's still Braves Dodgers. Um, that will, uh, that will span over three games. It'll be Monday through Wednesday. Um, I think it's always a good matchup when those two teams face off. So, so yeah, those, uh, those three series are my series to watch. What do you got for the day by day matchups? So on Monday, uh, you got Dane Dunning versus Luis Ortiz in Rangers Pirates. That'll be at PNC. A couple of interesting uh, pitchers. Jordan Montgomery will be going for the Cardinals against the Reds. That'll be in Great American Ballpark. Uh, Chris Bassett, who's done really well in his last few starts, will be going for the Blue Jays against the Rays. Zach Wheeler will be going for the Phillies against the Diamondbacks in Citizens Bank Park. Gavin Stone, my uh, NL Rookie of the Year pick. Uh, he will be pitching tonight against Charlie Morton and the Braves. Yeah, he'll be pitching for the Dodgers. He already made one start in his career. Um, he's going to be making his second start, so that's exciting. Brady Singer will be pitching for the Royals against the uh, Tigers, and that'll be uh, in Kauffman Stadium. Bailey Ober will pitch for the Twins against the Giants in uh, in Minnesota. Uh, Edward Cabrera will pitch for the Marlins against the Rockies in Coors Field. The last time Edward Cabrera pitched... Uh, in Coors Field, he was throwing 96-mile-per-hour change-ups, so that'll be fun to watch tonight. Uh, Luis Castillo will be going for the uh, Mariners against the A's in Seattle, and the matchup of the night comes from Astros-Brewers in Milwaukee. It's Christian Javier versus Corbin Burns. Mm. Yeah, yeah that, one, that one goes without saying, doesn't it? So on Tuesday, you have... Uh, Dylan Cease going for the White Sox against the Guardians. That'll be in progressive field. Uh, Nathan Avaldi and Rich Hill, a couple of former Red Sox, going into Rangers Pirates. Uh, you have Graham Ashcraft going for the Reds against the Cardinals. Jose Barrios and Taj Bradley facing each other in Blue Jays Rays. That's a pretty good matchup. Um, the you got Yu Darvish versus Mackenzie Gore, the Matt Gore uh, revenge game. Yeah, uh, you know he'll be going against the the Padres. Um. So in you will have uh, Kyle Bradish versus Garrett Cole in Orioles-Yankees at Yankee Stadium. Uh, Kodai Senga and Drew Smiley will face each other in Mets-Cubs. I believe you're going to have Bobby Miller versus Spencer Strider in Dodgers-Braves. Uh, the Dodgers have, haven't officially announced their starter yet, but it's to be announced, and Bobby Miller was called up recently. So I think that's what you're getting. If so, that's going to be a really, really cool matchup. Um you're going to have Yuri Perez facing the Rockies for the Marlins in Coors. Brian Bale facing the Angels for the Red Sox in Anaheim. And matchup of the night go, comes from uh, Giants-Twins. It's a couple of how-about-bats of yours, Chris. It'll be Alex Cobb versus Sonny Gray. 
Right. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. Very cool. I, the only reason I didn't put Bobby Miller versus Spencer Strider is match of the night is because the Dodgers haven't officially announced a starter. But if that's actually the matchup, that'll be really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Bobby Bobby Miller will be making his major league debut. He throws a hundred miles per hour. He's a beast. And Spencer Strider needs no introduction. Uh, on a Wednesday, you have Martin Perez going for the Rangers against the Pirates. You're going to have Anthony DiSclefani and Joe Ryan facing each other in Giants-Twins. Joe Ryan has been killing it lately. Michael Kopech, who pitched eight innings uh, with 10 strikeouts in his last start, will be going against Cal Quantrill in uh, White Sox-Guardians. You will have Shane McClanahan pitching for the Rays against Yusei Kikuchi and the Blue Jays in Tropicana. Um, you will have Tony Gonsolin and my, how about that? Bryce Elder facing each other in Dodgers Braves. Zach Greinke will be going for the Tigers against the Roy or for the Royals against the Tigers. Um, you will have, uh, Tyler McGill versus Marcus Stroman, the Marcus Stroman revenge game, uh, in Mets, Cubs and Wrigley. Sandy Alcantara will be facing the Rockies for the Marlins at Coors. Tyler Anderson will be facing the Red Sox for the Angels. Bryce Miller will be facing the A's for the Mariners uh, at T-Mobile Park. He's been awesome this year. And matchup of the day comes from Diamondbacks Phillies. It's Zach Gallen versus Ranger Suarez. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. Pretty good one. <clears throat> um, do you have a uh, matchup for Thursday or too early? No, we're gonna we're gonna cut it off at Wednesday. Yeah, that's fair. That is fair. All right. Well, that does it for this installment of Above Replacement Radio. We hope you enjoyed this one. Um, if you are listening on an Apple podcast or Spotify and want to watch the conversation as it happens, where I look like a little bit of a lobster after staying out in the sun too long, unprotected, uh, go to the YouTube channel. It is called Above Replacement Radio. Check out our uh, YouTube shorts. We have two ones from the last uh, week. Um, if you want to check out a little analysis there. Um, and uh, if you are listening on YouTube or watching on YouTube, want to watch the audio only streams, go to the Apple Podcasts and Spotify streams. They are called Above Replacement Radio and follow and subscribe to and whatnot to those. Uh, and if uh, if you want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta. Follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Curran. On Twitter, you can find uh, all the, you can find some little bit of betting advice from daniel not necessarily okay. direct betting advice but one of one of our friends texted me uh this weekend and asked if he should take the take my tweet and do the bets and i said yes and salvador perez homer in his first at bat yeah yeah so check out who does well against particular pitchers who are facing you know they're facing that particular pitcher that day um daniel breaks them down every day on his twitter at daniel underscore current and follow the mm -hmm. show instagram at Above Replacement Radio for all the show needs. We hope you enjoyed this one, and we hope to see you next time, where we will be talking all the happenings in Major League Baseball once again. See you then. This conversation. This conversation is over. Is over.